You're listening to Modern Mystic Soul, a podcast dedicated to helping starseeds like you go from awakened to activated. My name is Therese Tucker. I'm an intuitive artist, psychic medium, teacher of intuition, and author of Confidence is Magic. And I'm sitting down to talk with you about the ascension process, the spiritual growth lessons I've learned, and how to move into a more aligned frequency so you can fully experience your destiny. In this episode, I'm excited to interview Saoirse Clare, who's an author, healer, and founder of the Starseed Collective and the Starseed Coach. I, I cannot believe the alignment of this. I just happened to be releasing it on December 21st, which is not only the winter solstice, but is also the official start date of the Age of Aquarius. And I really think the topics we talk about in this interview are perfectly aligned to that. So if you resonate with the word starseed and you want to get deeper into what your mission is, you are going to love this episode. I really hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Hi everyone, Therese here, and I'm so excited because I have a very special guest um, that I brought on to introduce you to. This is Saoirse Clare, and she is known as the Starseed Coach, and she is an energetic mentor for Starseeds, and she has come out with a new book called Starseed Archetypes, and I wanted, I've read it. I've taken the quiz. I got so excited. I started sharing it with all my friends, and I, I basically um just stalked <laughs> Searsha and was like please will you come on my podcast so she said yes it's amazing so welcome Searsha thank you so much thanks Teresa I'm super excited to be here yay so this is to me your um what you're doing helping starseeds identify well let me actually let me hand it over to you because I started with the quiz Mm. Um, and then, of course, I got the book because it's incredible. But let, let me just start from scratch, scratch here. So tell me about how did this line of work come about for you? How did you end up being mm. a Starseed coach? That's such a good question. And I wish I had a real answer for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I read this quote earlier. I think it was earlier today. And I'm going to butcher it. But it was something about um, do you choose the path or does the path choose you? Mm -hmm. And that, oh, that just lit me up because people have been asking me this question so much lately. And I really don't feel like I have a concrete answer of this is the exact turn that my life took that led me to do the work that I'm doing. But I feel like kind of the short answer would be that, um, I was working a corporate job. I have a master's degree. I was kind of on just the regular corporate America path for a really long time. And then I went through a series of very tragic and profound losses in my life. I lost my father to brain cancer when I was 27. And then the following year, when I was 28, my husband died in a helicopter crash. And I had always known my whole life that there was something else within, that there was something that I identified with that wasn't really of this world, but I couldn't, mm -hmm. 
I couldn't put any words to what it was. And growing up, I was always kind of like the outsider and the weird kid and always wanted to kind of suppress identifying with feeling that way. But when I went through those two losses and had, um, I had a very profound out of body experience with my husband when he passed away and he essentially took me to a different realm and showed me this is what we all are. Like, this is the essence of what we are. And when that happened to me, I couldn't ignore what was within anymore. Yeah. So I quit my job. Um, I went just really, really deep into myself. I, it was almost like I was going on a grand adventure to the annals of my soul to figure out who am I and why did I have this experience and what does it mean? And in that whole process, um, I had always been able to channel messages very clearly, but again, those were things that I would just suppress because I thought that it was strange. But when I started talking to my dad and to Christian on almost a daily basis, I realized that I have this access that I should be using to help people in some way. So I started that by working with women who were going through loss and were grieving. I um, received my Reiki attunement and I was doing a lot of like energy work and energetic healing and healing work. And then I got a really like huge hit at the end of 2019 that that part of my work was done and that I needed to be open and ready to do something else. But the something else was just really vague. (laughs) (laughs) It was just like, like, thanks for that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It was like, it's just like, okay, you've done this part of the work and now you just need to chill out. And whenever we're, we're ready for you, we'll tell you. I'm like, okay. So um, I ended up getting this huge download of information about star seeds, about being a star seed, about what it really means to be a star seed here in 2020, pretty shortly after my guides told me, hey, get ready to pivot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when I received that message, I know I, I talk a lot in some of like my other um, speeches and videos, I talk a lot about that experience that I had with my husband and how that was very like mystical and profound. And it gave me a lot of information, Yeah. but the information that I received in the download of the Starkotype system was completely different. It wasn't like, you know, you can let this marinate and integrate and it can process slowly and you don't have to have all the answers right now. It was like my guides telling me, look, you're going to sit down and you're going to write all of this out until there's nothing left to do. So I started just writing everything and it turned into a book. It turned into having a quiz as like a vessel for people to identify which one of the 12 types they are. Um, Now it's a system. I'm working with a lot of people on using it in their coaching practices, specifically if they are working with star seeds and it just keeps evolving. And I feel like I'm along for the ride. (laughs) (laughs) 
I love it. I mean, I have to tell you, it was, it was so resonant. I took the quiz and I was like, yep, that it, it was so interesting because words, you know, just like for you, it's like, we're getting activation more and more. Right. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was like the, uh, the beginning of this year was me sort of, um, doing some personal work on, on like, what am I, what, what is the essence I'm trying to project that was coming out and words like, um, librarian and map maker mm-hmm. and <laughs> started yes. coming out for me and the word and the words maps and maps of destiny and, and, um, and, uh, navigation kept coming through for me. And then I take your quiz mm-hmm. and I, I get auger. Yeah. It's like maps <laughs> and debt. You can read maps and timelines and, um, and I was just like, oh, damn. <laughs> I was like, I got chills. I was like, spot on. It resonated so deep. And then I immediately shared it to all my starseed friends. And I was like, take this quiz. What did you get? And for every one, I was like, yeah, yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, that's yeah. you. Um, so I, this, I can verify that this work is resonant. And um, it has, um, has a real it's a real gift that you channeled through. I mean, this isn't something like that. She sat there one day and was like, what are some fun names and like jobs? It was like, it's clear this is uh, a higher download that came through at a specific time. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted to ask is you made a statement about what does it mean to be a star seed in 2020? So Mm -hmm. I want to ask you that question. What does it mean to be a star seed in 2020? Yes, that is what is so exciting And I'm really glad that you asked that because that's something that I'm confronting every day with doing this work. And it almost feels like you're, you're initiating more people into this new mode, um, this new part of their mission. But what I received really loud and clear in that download that I want all star seeds to be aware of is that if you are a star seed on earth right now, and it doesn't matter how old you are, you could be, you know, a seven month old, or you could be 77 mm-hmm. that you have held this template of the star system, the star seed archetype system, the whole time you have been here, like we've held it specifically to start activating it right now. Like we are at a critical point in what we perceive to be our linear timeline. We're at a really critical point where instead of being divided and fragmented in our work, which is what has happened to the community of starseeds on earth up until this point, that we need to find a way to unite. And we need to find a way to use the gifts that we all have in a way that uses our energy effectively, because what we've been doing up until this point has actually really been fragmenting and diluting our efforts and not, we're not doing that consciously. You know, we wake up and we think that we're, we're helping people and that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing because it's the way that we've been conditioned to embrace and use our gifts. But the reality of holding this template is saying, Yes, you might have 
20 different tools in your toolbox that you could be using to help people. But right now you only need to use three of them because there's 10 other star seeds who also have those same tools that are going to use this set of three and this set of three and this set of three and this set of three. So it's really this huge activation of unifying us, of moving away from simply identifying that you're a star seed based on what lineage you might have or what planet you might be from. Like mm -hmm. you can obviously leverage that and hold on to that. Like I would never tell anybody who has, you know, Andromedan experience like to bury that, right? Right. Right. But we're shifting our perception into this is what we're here to do now and we're specifically doing it now because we're at a very critical point where we need to have a mass assembly in order to accelerate our ascension timeline. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. And do you find that, or have you found since you released this work, I know that it's still in the process of unfolding itself mm -hmm. to you and showing you how it all works together. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing yet any like certain types that always seem to come together? Yes. Is that, oh, oh, you do? Okay. Okay. So this is interesting. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah, so I'm, that's so interesting that you're asking me that. Um, so within the book, I touch a little bit on how the collective, so the group of 12, how they're organized. I don't, that term is so weird and kind of archaic, but it is kind of necessary to understand how we're all supposed to be working together. Um, and what I received is that we're in this kind of gridded structure that's called the ascendant position. So within each star family, there are three archetypes and there's four families, but within the whole system, there are three ascendant positions that encompass four different types. So you can think of it as like a, a horizontal chart and a vertical chart overlaying each other. Okay. And what I'm seeing right now is that the four elder position starchetypes, so the creatrix, the analyst, the auger, and to a lesser degree, the way shower, they're kind of out front, like leading this first wave of initiation. I actually just did a masterclass on this a couple of weeks ago where I talk about all the positions and how they're functioning and how they're moving and who's coming online more rapidly and who's going to be probably the last to come online and why. Um, but right now, absolutely the types that are, I would say the most aware of what they're doing and also the most active in what they're doing are the analyst, the creatrix, the auger, and then the void walker, which is in, it's basically like lateral from the auger. So two out of the three diviners are yeah. like Away. really activated right now. This yeah. is, this is making, giving me chills because I'm an auger. My mm -hmm. husband's a void walker. My mm -hmm. bestie is an analyst and another good friend of mine <laughs> is a creatrix. So <laughs> yes, you have pretty much all of the elder council around you. Wow. You just, need a, you just need a way shower, which like I said, they are, I, I didn't, I did an update on this in my closed group. And I think I also put it in the masterclass, but so 
if you don't mind, like I'll go on a little tangent about why the, <laughs> why yeah. the way shower is I've been seeing them as being dormant right now. Okay. They, they know what they're here to do. Um, but the reason why they're dormant is because the way shower is the collective ritual keeper and they are the primal embodiment of rituals of what our human concept is of why rituals are necessary. And they also hold community together through the practice of those rituals. So if you think about what's been happening in 2020, their whole concept and construct of community and ritual has been obliterated. And it's been suppressed by design because they talk a lot about all of the ways that star seeds have been diminished and discredited and how like lower vibrational forces are constantly tinkering and manipulating and trying to, you know, mess with our efforts to accelerate global consciousness, mm -hmm. right? So the oh, way yeah. shower got hit really, really hard this year. There is no such thing as physical community anymore. We're, we're being asked to stay six feet away from each other. We're being given limits on how many, this is so funny. So my husband is from Ireland and his family, they, they all still live there. And, um, I believe they were in, they called it like a level five lockdown. I just talked to his parents the other day and they said that they, they came out of that lockdown. And so what they were saying is initially they got all these guidelines about who is allowed to do what and where. And they said, you can have 25 people at a wedding, but you can only have 10 people at a funeral. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting, wow. right? Yeah. But we're yeah. being told all of these things mm -hmm. about how we can and can't assemble. And a lot of those assemblies are the way that we conceptualize in 3D, like what our community looks like. So mm -hmm. the way right now, they are really frustrated. They're basically having to go through and take an inventory of how they can logistically continue to assemble and activate community given the constraints that we're operating in right now. Right. So what I've told the collective is if you're an elder and you're in the elder council, you simply just have to be patient because I know that it's, it probably feels weird not being out front for strong with the way shower. Like we need them in order to help bring together small communities, like teeny communities here, 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 all over the world to start activating the conduit and the vessel types. But we really just have to be patient and hold the space and understanding that after this next timeline shift that we're going through early next year, that they will get the answers. And eventually they're going to kind of start catching up in numbers to the other three elder types, if that makes sense. That does make sense. <laughs> it does. Oh, I have so many questions. So the first question that's kind of coming out after that is, we have a main archetype. Do we have a sub archetype? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We, you absolutely can. Yeah. Yes. So I get this question a lot. Um, what I've been calling it is your core archetype as the imprint or the template that you've always held and you will continue to hold as your main mission to the collective. But subtypes absolutely can be activated at 
any particular time, if it's germane to accomplishing part of the mission that you can complete, like within a cycle. So for example, my core type is the Clarion. And I know that that is never going to change about me. That's always going to be the, like the, the foundation of the work that I do. Mm-hmm. But I have been asked at various points in my life to walk the path of the void walker because of all the work that I've done around transmuting death codes. But those paths have always had an end or like a completion point to them. And then that's permission for me to move back into my role as a clarion. So almost like a mini mission. Yeah. Yep. Like a mini mission. Absolutely. And okay. I've talked with people who are like, I'm all 12. I'm like, I know you are <laughs> like, I know you are, but you got to hold on for a second and realize that one of those is probably dominant. And that if you do try to embrace all 12, again, you're going back to diminishing your power because your energy is going to be scattered. You're not going to be as effective as you would be if you were focusing on completing a mission of one starchetype at a time. Right. I I totally get that. And I'm sure that, I mean, I understand where that person's coming from because it's almost like FOMO. Like I I can do it all. (laughs) Yeah. But, but what you're saying resonates so much for me because one of the primal messages I keep getting is go deeper. Yes, you can't. My, I'm one of those jack of all trade people, but they're like, if you really want to know what you're made of, pick mm-hmm. something and go deep. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So, wow. Okay. So, um, so many questions. Okay. So <laughs> you said you're a clarion for people who don't know. Can you describe what a clarion is? Sure. So the clarion is their ascendant position is the conduit of the elemental family. And the clarion is here to lead the collective through messaging. We're kind of like the cosmic messengers for the collective at large. So we are required to have a very open and clear throat center and a direct line of communication to the ancestral realm, which is the realm that the elementals predominantly occupy and work within. So we receive information in a multitude of ways. It can be directly from source. It can be from our ancestral guides. We could get information from the elder council that's being passed down. But our job is to discern what messages are appropriate for the collective and when. And if they are appropriate, how are you sharing them with the collective in a way that is going to effectively mobilize and energize them in order to act on what you're saying. And so kind of going back to um, the way that everything's structured with the ascendant positions, all of the conduit positions, the ones that kind of go in between um, just being in the elder council realm and then being really rooted in 3D, our jobs are always just to go back and forth. So you're receiving information and your responsibility is taking action in a way that transmutes that down into density. So for the clarion, it's the messaging. It's how do you bring that into the collective? 
Up next, Searsha and I will be talking about the different starseed families and realms and the different waves of volunteers. Stay tuned. Do you want to join the next Spirit Circle? Spirit Circles are virtual gatherings I hold every new moon and full moon where I'll take you deep into the cosmic codes to receive the messages on how to work in alignment with source energy. The first 60 minutes include energy attunements, journaling, masterminds, guided visualizations, and more. Each spirit circle includes a 30-minute psychic Q&A session with me to get answers from your guides and spirit team. Every session is recorded and it's yours to keep to use again and again. If you want to join me for the upcoming spirit circle, please go to blithestarlight.com forward slash spirit dash circles. I hope to see you there. It's like families. Yeah. So there are four star families and they are organized based on your primary realm that you leverage or you utilize to accomplish your mission. Um, the other message that I've received that has been a lot more difficult, I think, for us to kind of wrap our heads around is when we all received our unique templates, when we decided to volunteer and incarnate in the earth realm, we went through an imprinting process. And so the other kind of layer that I got for the families is that your primary realm is also where your imprinting happened. So Ooh. it's almost like that's the last realm that you passed through before you came into your human vessel. So the four families in the four realms are the guardians and they're of the realm of earth, the elementals are of the ancestral realm, the ethereals are of the ether realm, and the diviners are of the astral realm. So within each family, there's three starchetypes that evenly distribute the load of the responsibility of each of their ascendant positions within that family. Wow. Okay. So as a clarion, you're part of the elemental realm, you said. Correct. So when you received your imprint, you're saying you received it through the elemental realm. Yeah. Through the ancestral realm. Yep. Oh, the ancestral realm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so for myself, I'm a, a auger who's of the diviner family Correct. through the astral. So yep. when I went through the astral, I received my imprints. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And that's also where you're going to return to the most as a point of access when you're getting information, <laughs> yeah, we, like we both know this, um, you're going to go there a lot to get information on how to effectively complete your mission or where you are in that completion cycle or anything else that's pertinent for you to know to bring down to the collective. That's kind of where you hang out, so to speak, like for lack of a better term. So no, like, true. Yes. So like all the diviners, all three of you, the auger, the void walker and the sanguine, you're always like way, way up here. Can I tell you how many times I got in trouble in school for doing this? Like 
like listing off and staring yep. out the window, but I was mm-hmm. gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Remained. Yep. And I was always like, Teresa, come back. You know, I'm like, at what? <laughs> Where am I coming back to? I'm already here. What are you talking oh, about? <laughs> exactly. Or like driving in a car, like as a passenger in a car going to mm-hmm. trance, like mm-hmm. just really easily. It's, yeah. Um, and, and it's funny because before taking your quiz, I did a um, quantum healing hypnosis session where I got to talk to my own subconscious mind. For those who don't know what that is, quantum healing hypnosis, this was developed by Dolores Cannon mm-hmm. and there are practitioners everywhere at different levels. Um, so I went into a session and in the session, you get to talk to your own subconscious mind at some point. And the subconscious was like, you know, we, all of these things that you're trying to understand and integrate into yourself, they were like, it's not really a big deal. If you don't get it consciously, we'll just put you to sleep. Yep. And then you'll get it. And at first I was like, oh, like that's, that's dark. But then after reading your book, I was like, oh my God, this makes sense because that's just where I go. That's when, when you're I working. That's right. I go to the astral. Yep, exactly. Oh, that's wow. so funny. I remember like the first time you told me that I'm like, yes, you're an auger. That is exactly what you're supposed to be doing. But again, this is the activation of all of these points of knowing is so new that I think, especially for people who haven't necessarily done the inner work of embracing their multidimensionality they might hear something like that and just totally freak out, right? Or they may think because they've been conditioned to operate a certain way, well, what do you mean that I do work when I'm sleeping, right? So this is kind of, it's a different way of approaching how our essences actually like activate and work towards everything that we're doing. So anyway, although, although I have to say this, I know a couple of void walkers and they all get it. They're all like, yeah, we're, we're mm-hmm. at work then. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it does totally just, it rearranges my whole experience because, um, being a sleepy person, just like always, <laughs> <laughs> always, always daydreaming, always in a trance, um, always wanting to take little naps or here and there, things like that. And then also, also waking up exhausted like I've just right. been at work because yep. I have yep exactly so yeah. It, it, yeah it definitely reframed it and it made it easier you know easier <laughs> to deal with it because we do we do get a really set idea on what we're supposed to do based on what we see because we don't have access consciously yet I mean we're getting it you're bringing in some for us thank you uh, of this knowledge of wait how how do I access it and starseed for a long time really until you, until I, I saw this work. And before that, it was like you said, planetary star system based, yeah. like what mm-hmm. we're resonating with, which is mm-hmm. great, but it also kind of leaves us shy of information. Like, what does that mean? How do you oh, use yeah. it? Yes. Right. It's, it's like, okay, we do hold, we hold all of our experiences of our interplanetary knowledge and our past life experience within, like that's in our cosmic DNA, that's in our imprint, that's not something that we're ever going to abandon. But when you're challenged with fitting all of that into the human consciousness and the human vessel, really all you have as like a confirmation is like you said, what you see externally. And when you start waking up to 
identifying as a star seed, especially initially, Google isn't going to tell you. <laughs> I've had these three Lyran life experiences and I don't know what they mean. And then right. I firmly believe in what I've received so much again is that is precisely by design and it's been designed been by design for a very long time to leave people wanting more seeking answers feeling confused and then getting stuck in that seeking loop and the seeking right. loop is where literally nothing happens ever right so. you're, it's like you're holding puzzle pieces but you're uh -huh. not sure if these are two pieces of sky that go together or like the opposite ends of the exactly puzzle. exactly absolutely and um what was beautiful, I mean, so with the clarion, or I don't know if this is the clarion or just what the star seed does, but what I, what I got from you was I heard the word bridge, which is really interesting because that is the name of the last karma cards I did last night was become mm -hmm. the bridge. Mm -hmm. They were like, this is the time of becoming the bridge between mm -hmm. your human self and your higher self. Mm -hmm. um, but what I love about your book is it provides bridge material, it provides you a way to start linking the pieces you've got together and look for patterns that, that you recognize. Um, and what's beautiful about you know, having your friends do it too, is you're, you're, it's easier to see other people like for, I don't know, maybe it's my type that is easy to see, but I look at other people. I'm like, Oh God, that all makes sense. I see all that, that works together. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So when I saw their profile come up, I was like, spot on, <laughs> you know, which, <laughs> which is really, really cool because even with information about ourselves, we're, we're sort of shrouded in mystery. We're standing in the middle mm -hmm. of the forest and it's like, we can't see the forest for the trees mm -hmm. sometimes. So it's nice to have a guide like this, where it's like, at least this is a place where you can start and you can start looking at, do I do this already? What happens when I act from these positions rather than trying to be at all? Mm -hmm. And that was the other point I wanted to make is because we have so little examples of what starseed is, even though we resonate with that word. I mean, the first time I heard it, I was like, yes, that's it. Yeah, yep. That this was the is word. it. <laughs> <laughs> the word. Uh-huh. <laughs> But, you know, but then, and then we see people who they're like, I am a star seed. This is, and then you watch them and then you're like, okay, well, I don't, I don't operate like that. My brain doesn't right. think like that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then you start to doubt yourself because of mm -hmm. course, what other examples do you have? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I really appreciate you saying that. And I think that that bridge metaphor is so powerful because that's what I've seen over and over again, especially with all of the conduit positions, like we're always being asked to bridge. But what's really been interesting about all of the shifts that have been happening and all of these templates starting to kind of activate in this pattern and in succession is that eventually when we are 12 strong and we're unified, we are all going to be the bridge. Like we're all going to be the bridge for mass consciousness to move wherever it is destined yes. to move. So that's so cool that you are getting those messages and getting that car. I think it's what's really interesting to me is that I've had some really interesting conversations with people who have been very in, they've been attuned internally for a very long time and they receive this template and it's like second nature to them. 
like they can see it reflected in conversations or friend groups or their communities. And then I have people who I wouldn't want to like categorize them in saying that they're predominantly one starchetype over another, but they're a little bit newer into awakening their whole selves. And they're the ones that need a little more of the answers of like, if I'm a Pharaohs, what specifically am I supposed to be doing in order to X, Y, Z? And so what I'm trying to do is deliver the system in a way that satisfies both of those groups. Like if you, if you're really in resonance and you want to take it and run with it, then please take it and run with it and use it and give it to other people and share it as much as you can, because that's also likely a part of your mission. Um, But if you're somebody who is very new to awakening this part of you, what I received over and over again when writing the book is this needs to be accessible. This needs to be accessible. It needs to be accessible on multiple levels so that we can assemble much faster and build that bridge much, much faster. And I don't, I don't remember if I shared this, um, visual with you the last time we spoke, but when I got the information on the ascendant positions and how they work together, the visual of it was, it's almost like there's this spiral staircase that everyone is standing on. And they're passing like bricks and mortar and tools down and then just laying brick by brick this bridge, this bridge to ascension. So I I love that you said that a couple years ago, um, my bestie, who's the analyst and I, and when we work together, because she bring, I'm I'm in the highest realm of the astral and she's on the earth realm. Mm -hmm. She has, she was always a bridge for me to be able to step this down because I couldn't always anchor the frequency myself. Mm -hmm. So when she came in and she would ask me the questions and I would go get them, go get the answers and bring them (laughs) back. And then she would, if needed, help to decode that a little bit. So it was pretty amazing, but we, couple of years ago, did a, a group meditation on, on, you know, bringing in the new earth. And what they showed us literally is they said, you're going to 5d all the time. You're going to new earth all the time and you're bringing it back piece by piece. And it looked like a brick yep. building, like a brick bridge. It was yep. so cool that you said yep. that. That's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. Wow. Okay. So I love that you like you, you've got this resonant about it being accessible. I want to talk a bit deeper about that because um, when I got your material, it was highly, you know, gave me a lot of confirmation. It was just like, yep, yep, keep going. That's the right direct. Your, your material showing up at my life at that time was simply like, you're on it. Keep mm-hmm. going, keep going. Mm-hmm. So that's how that's the impact it had on me. But then again, I was like, I have to share this with other people because if it's this resonant for me, maybe it resonates for other people. So what do you mean by accessible in terms for someone who's new to this work? Because for me, it was accessible just because it resonates, but what about for new people? Yeah, that's a really good question. And a lot of what I initially visualized in terms of this needs to be accessible and that message coming through over and over again was a lot about the delivery of introducing the concept to people or to the starseed collective the community and 
when I started getting the system and writing the book, I realized that if you just hand somebody a book, they might not be super intrigued to like, right. what is this, right? To right. get up and read it. So I knew that there needed to be another vehicle, like another means of introduction. And that's why the quiz came into play. And I've had a lot of um, kind of, I've had so many really, really positive experiences with the quiz. And I, I don't think that it's ever necessarily going to go away. Mm -hmm. but the other thing that I've been telling people when they take the quiz and they start reading the book is please read about all 12 because yeah you know, when we take a quiz, that's just a snapshot of what our psyche is projecting at that one moment in time. And I wouldn't want someone to take the quiz and get the result. Like, let's say they're a sentinel and they get this result and they read the whole book and they're just really not sure. And they feel like they're more in resonance with being a steward, but then they feel like they're locked in. I don't want people to feel like they're locked in. Yeah. But, but the quiz came into being to get people to just be intrigued and curious about, oh, if there's 12 types, then which one am I? And then I had to figure out, so what are all of like the logic paths for answering each question based on the characteristics of each one? How are they all segmented out with different answer choices? How can I make this something that is relatively easy for people to take? Um, yeah. And then the other end of it is for people who are newly awakening um, and coming in, how am I supporting them if they are encountering like language in the book that is brand new or feels foreign? And how can I help them feel less overwhelmed by having a particular mission to do? So a lot of the work that I do in tandem with people reading the book, um, I've had quite a few people that have come in and they've requested to do like a half hour session with me where I kind of just get a little bit more granular with their profile and with how they've been resonating and then give them some smaller recommendations of, you know, maybe here's one or two things to run through your channel and see if it feels resonant, or maybe these are some projections that you might be seeing in 3D that you wanna work with. Um, I find that to be fairly common with the vessel types. And they're all so fascinating to me because they exist as a reminder to the rest of the Starseed Collective of what the human experience is really supposed to look like. So the ease and comfort of operating the human vessel, so to speak, is very strong in those four templates, but where they have a little bit, um, where they might need support is actually integrating their multidimensionality. And I think um, what I covered in some of the masterclass that I did a couple of weeks ago on ascendant positions, is that a lot of the star seeds who are vessels, they won't ever actually be activated because they're going to be the last ones to come online and support the efforts of the rest of the collective, but that's okay. Like, even if you just have a small sliver of knowing that I am not of here, but I am going to keep my vibration high because I'm a frequency holder. If you're a Pharaohs, 
and that's what you're doing, you don't need to do anything else. Like if right. it's not in resonance with you or if it feels intimidating or overwhelming to you. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of different like points of access that I've kind of been balancing of gauging how new is this identification for someone? How can I support them? What other information do they need from the book in order to really feel like they're rooted in their truth and the core of who they are when they're embracing this type? Um, and for the people who are vessels and they come in and like the sanguine just wants to chill out and go, I don't know, play soccer all day and just be a happy, upbeat person and organize a bunch of volunteer activities in their community. Like that's how I want to be supportive of people. Right. Um, so I love that, that you mentioned that because a, a frequency holder is incredibly important. We need yes. people yeah. holding frequency. All of that, all, if all that means is being happy, <laughs> like just yes. do what makes you happy. Absolutely. And that frequency study. That's a big job and mm -hmm. an important one. So mm -hmm. uh, I love that you bring that up because again, we can kind of have preconceived ideas that we're all supposed to be mystics who channel and are constantly exactly. bringing forward messages from the universe. Um, and I do believe everyone has the ability to channel. I mean, that's what you're supposed, that's how you get your higher self to move through mm -hmm. you through mm -hmm. into your human self. But um, just the, the over identification with a certain type, you know, and maybe because the, the first type of star seeds that sort of showed themselves were of a certain type. I mean, I, yeah. actually that's a really great question is from what you can see, what, what does it appear to be? How is the, who seemed to be the first activated group before this really the convergence is coming forward? What would you say mm -hmm. was coming forward as like maybe the, one of the first groups to um, show themselves? The auger very heavily, but I do feel like a lot of augers have actually misidentified. Um, and I can kind of, I can go a little let's bit talk more. About that. Yeah. Let's talk about yeah, that. I'm an auger. I like, you okay. are definitely an auger. Like I, okay. I How know that know? <laughs> in How resonance. You know? Yeah, no, your resonance is very much in that signature of being rooted in the divine astral template. And what I mean by that is the auger is the supreme empath, right? The way that we have been socialized to hold empathic codes is actually very wrong. And when I speak to you and I interact with you, I can tell that you actually have the divine empath template because your energetic field is ironclad. I could say, I could say something that's highly emotionally charged to you. And I know that what would happen is you would run it through your field as a filter and not actually hold that energetic because what's happened that has really like, if you want to talk about it on a 3d level, it's yeah. screwed up a lot of people emotionally is being told, oh, you're an empath, you're an empath, you have these abilities, blah, blah, blah. But the divine empath is actually a filter. So it is your responsibility as an empath to filter truth codes through interaction and then mirror those back to the other person without 
trying to go in and take some of their pain or hold some of their pain or hold some of their emotion. Because every time you do that, you weigh down your field and you clog up your channel. So Uh, yeah, I think from what I'm seeing, the reason why there have been so many step forward and say, I resonate with the auger because I'm an empath or because I'm a light worker or because I'm a channeler is the auger holds this template for what we think the mystic as someone who performs healing or does a healing service for the community, we think that that's the way that it's supposed to look. So if you've spent a lot of your career, um, just for, as an example, being a light worker, you might just intuitively identify with the auger template because you're someone who has likely had to go in to other people's fields who are, resonating in really low vibrational states or they're very hurt or they're wounded and you're actively doing and I'm putting air quotes in that because this is a podcast and you can't see me um <laughs> you're actively doing healing work right and yeah. our concept of what we've been taught is healing work in the 3d plane is something again that has been delivered to us on purpose to weigh us down, to diminish our efforts and to make us feel like we're burning out or not want to continue doing that. Right. Right. So I've seen just waves and waves of waves of people who have come in, who've identified as an auger. Maybe they've taken the quiz and they're an auger and then they end up reading the book or interacting with the community or interacting with me in some way. And they're like, you know what? I'm actually a mage. Or you know what? I'm actually a void walker. I'm actually this, this, or this, right? So yes, the auger is definitely one of the most prevalent that's online. And I would even say that if you kind of filtered out those people who've moved to another type. Um, But the other two for sure are the creatrix and the analyst. And again, I think by design, it's because of the organization. It's because they have that elder template of being able to see out ahead of the rest of the collective, this is where we're going to move to. And this is how that's going to happen. I honestly think that the analyst is probably the elder, elder type that a lot of star seeds who incarnated fairly early on, like I'm talking sixties and seventies. I think there are a lot of I don't want to say older, but I think there are a lot of analysts that are out there. Um, because, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, this is fascinating. And I want to know what, why does it feel like that? Like, what mm-hmm. about the analyst makes it feel like that? So the analyst is such a cool, they're the cosmic librarian. They're the master record keepers and they're the master record keepers of generational history and generational, generational lineage. So they have been at the helm of deciding this is where indigo is ending. This is where crystal is ending. This is where rainbow is ending. This is where this wave of star archetypes is starting. This is where this next one is starting. And they have to work in tandem with the creatrix to look at how the timeline is being engineered 
and how it's being engineered for the highest good of our collective mission and kind of like, where are the gaps, right? What generation holds a ton of light walkers, but maybe nothing else? And what generation holds a lot of Pharaohs and maybe needs to have something else in it? So they're kind of at the helm, seeding in all of the volunteer missions. Because I think one thing that's like so cool to me about the more I love how I'm saying, the more I learn about this, right? Like the more I learn about this crazy system that came through me. Um, but one thing that I think is really cool is going deeper into the idea of you and I could have very similar lineage from our past life experiences. But when we stepped up to volunteer to come here, knowing that we were going to still be in existence on earth in 2020 in physical time or whatever, that there was an analyst who knew how to separate us out and how to spatially position us in our incarnation positions, like what year we were going to come in so that at a certain point in physical time, we would be activated in such and such a way. Um, so I, I get the sense that they have actually had this activation within for quite some time. But again, there's so many forces at play that are just constantly trying to destroy any type of light mission that's presented that oh, right. the analyst has probably just been like kind of toiling away. Like, you know, every time they're out in the garden, there's part of them, there's part of their consciousness that's in the council working, but they might be 65 years old here and just think that, you know, they've embraced their multidimensionality and they've lived a really peaceful and wonderful life, but be totally unaware of this work that they've been doing. Right. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> that took my, that, that literally made me go into trance for a second. Just like go be one. Like I'm trying to like visualize that. I'm like, what does that feel like? That's exactly mm -hmm. where I went. Uh, <laughs> okay. Wow. So there was another person, there was another type that kind of came in. Oh, no, I know where this is going. Okay. Dolores Cannon. Are, you're familiar yes, with her work. I yes. Okay. It, then there's a lot of interweaving with your work. Yeah. Dolores work. was a creatrix, by the way. She was? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I don't know if I've told you this, but I've actually spoken to her in channeling <gasps> and she was alive. So one of the things that, um, and she did this in her own work and then I, I went in with my analyst friend who held the space and answered the questions. And then I went in there and I went through and it wasn't like talking to the deceased. That's what I want to clarify is I didn't go and have a mediumship session with a deceased person. I went through a time gate and mm -hmm. went and talked to her in like mm -hmm. 19, I think it was 96. She oh, was that's so cool. She uh, was in ascension and I, I came that. through someone. <laughs> love it. I came through someone, but what I love about it is that um, if you, if you read Searsha's book, 
And then you actually listen to the three waves of volunteers. Mm -hmm. It's almost like time is on this weird loop where it's doing things out of order. It's almost like it makes more sense if you read Sirsha's book and then (laughs) listen to the three waves of volunteers and it'll hit you like a ton of bricks. You'll be like, wow. Yeah. So Dolores was a creatrix and she engineered that bend in time. Like every single cell that is in existence of me believes that she has engineered that congruence of absolutely. Here's the three waves work. But then here's how it's kind of coming back around as a boomerang, but mm-hmm. in an in an organized fashion. And when I started seeing the ascendant positions activate and come on, I didn't realize that that's what was happening until, like you said, I kind of stepped back and I was like, why have I been getting the, the verbiage of this as being three waves. Cause the masterclass that I did, I called it the first wave because I talk about the first group that is coming online right now in like a very massive way. Mm-hmm. And the first um, energy updates that are happening in conjunction with this activation. But I knew that there was going to be a second wave and a third wave. And I'm like, why, just, yes, yes, why is Up next, Sirsha and I will be talking about the current timelines and what we're both getting as an auger and a clarion. So stay tuned. Have you been feeling like it's time to get a little more clarity on your divine life path or in touch with your mission? why not sign up for a psychic coaching session with me? You can find them on my website at blithestarlight.com. It waves, right? And then it was like Dolores's work came into my head and I was like, holy shit. Well, wait, wait. Okay. The question I have for you is, okay. So as a, as a clarion, as an auger speaking to the clarion, Here's what I saw or what I'm seeing. Yeah. Where what I feel um is the second wave is happening mm-hmm. and there's a third wave in March. Yes. Oh yes. God. Okay. Ah, I'm so excited you said this. Okay, so I talked to my Facebook group about this this morning. So there was a huge energy update that came in specifically for the Void Walker. with the work that they're doing and what's going to be happening. I kept getting late February, 2021, like late February, early March, late February, early March. Mm -hmm. So what's happening is right now, the void Walker is the most prevalent template of the conduit, um, ascendant position. And if you're a void Walker right now, like you're conscious of being one now, Mm-hmm. You are preparing for this next wave that is coming in. And what's going to be happening is twofold. The first thing is that they are going to be initiating a new class, for lack of a better word, a new cohort of void walkers coming on. Wow. And we're going to need a lot of them because the void walker, what they've been doing this year 
is they have been transmuting physical death codes, like a lot of physical death codes. And if you have been aware and you've been doing that work this year, you're going to be asked to shift to structural codes. So there's going to be a lot of structural codes collapsing and they're being tasked with doing the work of kind of bringing us through the death of those structures and what that's going to look like. So then the new cohort, cohort of void walkers will kind of come in to augment the rest of the work that the void walker is supposed to be doing. And they're also going to be initiating a lot of vessels who essentially what I talk about with um, ascendant positions and vessels is there's not necessarily um, an action that needs to happen in order for them to be activated. It's mm -hmm. a simple shift in perception. That's it. It's kind of like a beacon being switched on because again, uh, yeah. they're the supreme frequency holders. So we're finally going to start to see a lot more mages, pharaohs, and sanguine come in around that time, February, March, and we're going to need them. Like we're going to need them to be turned on yeah. because of everything that all of the void walkers who are aware now are going to be doing with assisting these structural collapses. If those collapses happen and we don't have a large net of high frequency holders to catch what's going to remain in the 3D space, mm -hmm. it's going to be very difficult for all of us to stay on the same timeline without fragmenting off into the timeline that lower density is currently on. Yeah. So this is so interesting. Okay. So we're, we're going to just go, we're going to take a little tangent together <laughs> since this is so potent right now. Uh, we'll keep talking about about everything that you know, but I want to go to, I want to keep talking about this since we're both getting this third wave March feeling. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'm going to share with you the update I got that I was like, oh, I can't wait to tell you. So it, it came in really weird. So yeah, I got that these, that um, the first, the first wave of real, like we were, there were people who were like, let's say groggy <laughs> before, and there, there are awakened people who were awake before these major events this year, mm -hmm. but three waves in one year, March, um, what was it? November and March, mm -hmm. really interesting points right there. Um, they also, I think it was around November, fifth no it was it was closer it was between the fifth and the 15th closer to the 15th I think sitting in the bath and of course that's a lot you know water is a conductor for psychic mm -hmm. I'm just like holy shit the timeline split they're really split they're fully split now we are on two separate timelines and before that my team had said we're about 500 feet from the fork in the road like we're walking mm -hmm. to it we've already chose our path Mm -hmm. we're going to, we know we're going that direction. We just have to walk those 500 feet. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting in the tub and I'm like, Krr. they're like the timeline's officially split. And I'm like, yep. Wow. And so they, the reason they told me this is they were like, no more pushing, no more pushing people because mm -hmm. they've made up their mind mm -hmm. already. It, it's, it was already made up, but they're there. They, that doesn't mean they can't switch timelines, but it has to be of their own doing their yes. own instigation it's not a 
come over here it's better here or whatever (laughs) they're on the one they want to be on and they're going to keep traveling down it although that what I get um, so the way that my team has me talk about it is the natural timeline which is the higher timeline the evolution timeline and then the false timeline which is the artificial timeline that was created that has all the programming and all the dark stuff in it but it's also it's finite because mm-hmm. of the of this nature of it being false mm-hmm. right and you're talking oh, about these yeah. void walkers rewriting death codes well this is a death cult timeline yes. it is but death is not what they say it is it's not an end <laughs> as we know it in spirit we know in energy um the end of a physical existence doesn't mean the end of a being mm-hmm. it's just like taking off a pair of clothes <laughs> And, and then you might come back and put on some different clothes. But <laughs> in the meantime, you're still very much alive and doing things and, and accessible to people as well. Yes. Um, yeah. So what I'm seeing is this, this, and they, they, it's really interesting because I got a visual so strong that other people told me they started getting, they saw it too. And the visual sort of looked like these two paths. One was very wide and flat and paved and very like, um, well-worn right Mm -hmm. and this other one was very lush and sort of like um it's like I saw trees and I saw lush you know energy it was alive it was very Mm -hmm. much alive and a natural path it's so funny all the kitties are coming over as we're talking about the non-physical yes (laughs) yes he went out and now (laughs) (laughs) so just kind of talking about the energy and of course what I do get is that mass you know the the mass population actually has moved and it is on the higher timeline whether Mm -hmm. they understand it or not and it's what's interesting about it is that they're showing me a lot of unknown energy it's not (laughs) it is there it's natural um it is full of life but it's also full of like the unknown and mystery And so therefore there is this sort of trepidation. Exactly. I don't, I can't see further in than like, a, like maybe a couple, like 40 feet. I can see trees and the road winds and kind right. of disappears. Yes. And it, I know it goes deeper, but I can't see deeper. I think that's why there are so many in our community who are still almost bracing and preparing for a large event to happen. I know there's a lot of talk. There's so much talk around the grand conjunction on December 21st and like people that are in the astrology community really being hooked into that. But I absolutely believe that like what you're seeing is telling us that there, there is no big event. Like there's no big one because of the fracture already happening and the reason why we might think that there's something huge looming is because of that mystery and because of the unknown that we can't see into right now i i mean i and i've also like read so much as well and listened to so many things and when i try to feel into it um of course they tell me you know every time we get attached to dates we get disappointed mm. <laughs> so getting getting attached to dates means getting attached to the illusion because time right. is an illusion right um although with december 21st there is definitely that's like the the clock starts it's like mm. the click goes on and it's mm-hmm. like this is the 
start of the age of Aquarius. We've mm -hmm. got Aquarius highly prominent in there and it's on an auspicious date as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and divine, that's how divine timing works. But again, mm -hmm. interestingly enough, when I look into it, yeah, this big drastic thing, this is very, a very Hollywood kind of way of right. looking at this energy. Yeah. Um, and nothing in, in our actual life experience has shown us something like that so far. I mean, and the big events that we've had in our life, we've turned back and find out that those are also sort of manufactured. Exactly. Events. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so there's, yes. so like, are we willing to let our entire collective fall into illusion at all at one time on a massive scale again? And I think that is part of the intelligence that's coming out of the new timeline that we're on. Absolutely. Well, and if we look at nature, so nature is always a really great way to understand how the universe works because life is source is nature is mm -hmm. right. Like we can, mm -hmm. so it's always, and it, it always is the microcosm of a macrocosm. So if we look at how spring develops, if mm -hmm. just as an example of something that, that is starting, it's not like one morning you wake up and it's like, boom, spring. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, where all the flowers bloom at yeah. once. No, yep. it's like the tulips come out first, mm -hmm. right? And then the other vegetation comes out and it's all timed in a way where um, it, it's all about being in flow and timing mm -hmm. and understanding things. And, and so this is why, you know, with this, this timeline split, a lot of people have wondered, like, are we not going to see each other? Well, it's split. And I see other people. I see exactly. the other timeline. Yep. It's what's, what's really happening here is it's two levels of conscious vibration. Mm -hmm. So the people are still here. We share the same space, breathe the same air, but we're having different ex perceptions of reality. And they're both real. Yes. There, and there's multiple realities within these two major sort of, you know, set ones. There are people who are sort of like hanging out at this middle point. There's people in an extreme in one direction and in the other direction. And there's all these variations, right? Mm -hmm. um, but that that's what it what we're looking at is just two major different um, vibrations of consciousness and therefore it, it, perceptions of reality, both real, both valid from the level that you're vibrating at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, right. And <laughs> so, I've experienced that too, where it's really interesting kind of being, being out in the world and having that moment of recognition that you're interacting within the lower timeline or like you're you're kind of almost like coexisting so to yes speak. and yep. I've had a lot of really interesting conversations with people very recently about uh discernment in the lower timeline and being able to figure out if the energetics that you're interacting with are human in the lower timeline or if they're an AI construct in the lower timeline, because there's a lot of uh, like co-mingling that's happening there right now. Oh yeah. mm -hmm. And, um, I just feel like when you have that knowing of, oh, this is what's going, it's like, it's almost like this surreal thing. Oh, it's all, it's completely surreal <laughs> because, because, um, for a long time, we were merged together. Mm -hmm. The timelines were merged. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of energy around 
convincing. Can uh, this is no, this is what's happening. No, right. this is what's happening. Right. Um, and um, my team's always pointed out that convincing is is a weak form of energy because you need the outside world to to strengthen your beliefs. Whereas conviction is simply standing in your beliefs mm-hmm. and you're fully grounded and you don't need to convince anyone because you believe what you know, you, you believe what you believe and it's in you. Therefore you don't need anyone else's energy to support it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I've noticed that we've moved out of like, well, what I've, what I've been asked to speak about is just this awareness that we, you're no longer, um, what's the way I want to say this? It's a waste of time now to try and convince anyone of anything. They've already made up their mind. And it's better to move into a place of understanding and compassion, um, as well as refocusing completely on what you came here to do. Mm -hmm. And one of the big messages that keeps coming through right now is stop wasting time. Stop waiting. Mm -hmm. Now it's not the time to wait anymore. Mm -hmm. If you keep waiting, there's always going to be something presented to make you wait. Oh no, you've got to, now you're going to stay here. Now you're going to do this. Now these are the new rules, blah, blah, blah. And um, the message has been pretty consistent that, nope, you must continue with your plans, your mission, because you've only been given a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. completed it, and that time isn't extending for you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm so interested from your perspective as an auger with what you shared about December 21st being kind of like the clock starting. If you're mm-hmm. seeing that message of, there's no more waiting. If that's going to be almost distributed on a mass scale, when that timer starts. What do you mean by distributed on a mass scale? I would say for anyone who has not fully embraced their mission, if they are going to specifically get that message loud and clear during that time period or that event? Um, I think, I think what's going to happen is they'll continue to be presented with catalysts to get them to start Mm -hmm. because time's on time. Mm -hmm. Click. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like races now. start. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So what, that's what I'm seeing is that right now we all have built our own blueprints. We, we build our blueprints. We have, I'm sure we have help on the other side. Like you said, there's analysts that help too sort of distribute, right? If you're, if you're writing a blueprint and it is required at a certain time, then they've helped distribute that. But we mm-hmm. write the blueprint and we have the, the maps of destiny within us. We carry it in our heart. And inside that blueprint is, hey, free will is of course a part of the game. Mm-hmm. So it's what my team, the best way I've been able to describe it is, imagine that you're planning a trip to Disneyland. So going to earth is like going to Disneyland. <laughs> And before you plan your trip, you write down all the rides you're going to go on. Yeah. I'm going to go on. I'm just, be in Space Mountain, space right? You got mountain. all the rides. <laughs> That's right. You got all the rides that you're going to, all the things that you're going to do when you get there. That's your list. Yeah. That's like your divine soul blueprint. Now you get to Disneyland and you go in and you're like, oh, there's so much going on that. And the lines can't. are so long. <laughs> There's so much going on and there's so many new and distracting things Mm -hmm. and you still have your list with you because it was important and you brought it with you, 
but now you have free will and will you do the do the list or is there something where you're like this is the one this is the thing I'm definitely doing and everything else I'm going to just let play out Mm -hmm. that's up to you when you get here but you also designed and maybe it's like one of those timer watch things or something you've designed what's called like catalyst or mile markers that you have Mm -hmm. to hit Mm -hmm. in order for you to receive that experience point or that growth point, whatever it is, your soul was like, no, I, this is going to be a core thing that happens Yeah, that I'm going to do. And I've designed like a, a timer or a stopwatch or a, an alarm type system mm-hmm. that must, if I forget and I don't do it, this, what this system does is it creates a catalyst. It creates an event. It'll trigger things in your life. Now, sometimes we build these triggers in anyway, like this is an acceleration point. Usually catalyst is express. (laughs) It's the Mm -hmm. express path. Mm -hmm. A lot of, a lot of growth happens from this um, sort of like stressing on the, on the experience. Um, Yeah. Getting you to choose and choose deeper and like go all in, in some cases. Right. So we've got these little timers and of course they're connected to the people that we are here with. Like for example, your husband and, and mm-hmm. you, your first husband, he mm-hmm. was a catalyst for you to jump into. He's, it was contracted that he yep. would help you. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So with that, with that event now, how would it happen like that? If you had done it sooner, I don't know, but he mm-hmm. was definitely going to help you no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we, we have these events that are planned. So when we get closer to this 2020, and now people are experiencing a hell of a ton of catalyst this year, there's <laughs> yeah. so much catalyst. It's that Record universal, amounts of catalysts. Yeah. Record catalysts that from the 3D level feel like hell, feels like a nightmare. But one of the things that we know about nightmares is that they wake you up. Yeah, absolutely. And so- I love that. It's, and so- as we get closer to December 21st and then after December 21st, that's why the third wave comes like by March, Mm -hmm. because that's the one where so much catalyst is going to come and catalyst, you know, I've learned to lean into it. Um, because every time you look back, you're like, that was amazing Mm -hmm. in the moment. It's, you're like, Oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. And then looking (laughs) back, you're like, that was pure gold and look at who I've become because of it. Yeah. But we're, we're going to have this extreme kind of catalyst and again it could just be words it doesn't necessarily mean events it it could it could be information right or restructuring in ways that we were like I did not see that Mm -hmm. coming (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so there's no there's no point in trying to decide what that looks like all I know is that by March it's such a potent packet of of new awareness that comes in that it really kicks everybody into gear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and for those of us who have felt like we were on a path or a mission, or we've been building something, I mean, me personally, I've been told like, hold that loosely, <laughs> like, stop, mm-hmm. don't be so attached to this. Yeah. The path of non-attachment. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I, I have been told like, just hold that loosely. Don't get too um, bunched up about what's going to happen here. It could change. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might change just a little than what I'm used to, or it might completely like be wiped clean and like, here's more space for you to do this other thing that you now feel so um, committed to doing. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we can know about the year 2021 is it's in, a, in numerology, it's a five year, 
which is change. I mean, yes. it is the number of it. Five is uh, in um, it resonates with Uranus, which is the plot. I call it the plot twist planet. Mm-hmm. I did not see that. <laughs> and interestingly enough, the age of Aquarius is ruled by Uranus. Yes, I was going to say that's my ruler. There you go. <laughs> and and Aquarius itself is all about thinking outside the box. It's all about the stuff we haven't seen. What one of the things I've heard, and I know it's not going to happen like next year alone. But in a 10-year period, we will make a 10,000-year leap in evolution of technology that's going to completely change how we experience this world. It's going to feel like we're on another planet, even if it's the same one, Mm -hmm. because, you know, um, we will have this, like, we will be holding this experience of, remember when I needed a phone? Right. (laughs) Remember when I needed a car? (laughs) Remember when we needed a grocery store? Like all of those things. Remember when we used to take medicine? (laughs) Like that kind of crazy, it's going to feel like you're on the Starship Enterprise is what it's going to feel like. It's not going to. Which is awesome and like super exciting. But I feel like what I've been getting with how important it is to know the position that we're on in the timeline now is to be able to observe those constructs of technology and how they operate and recognize how they operate. Because if you get stuck on the same timeline as coexisting with AI as a sentient being, there will be no line. Like there will be no line between humanity and AI, like that merging is already happening. I've had, I've had conversations with people who have met hybrids and they've, I have not met one that I know of, but they've detailed that experience to me. And what I keep seeing over and over again is like, this is why it's important to see where you are in this fragmentation so that you can retain your agency over how are we shaping this new world with these as tools instead of these as rulers or masters? Right. In some way. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, that gets mm-hmm. into such, wow, we could go down a deep rabbit hole there. Cause absolutely. <laughs> I mean, negative AI transhumanism, that kind of stuff is definitely on that false timeline. Yes. And just because I've said that false timeline comes to an end, it does. I don't know how long they can sustain it. Right. And their whole goal, their whole goal is to sustain, they know it comes to an end. They're not trying to make their timeline the dominant. They're trying to sustain it for as long as they can. And they could sustain it for, you know, 500 more years, Mm -hmm. 5,000 more Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. And the reason why they want to stop the star seeds is because we know that that path leads to ultimate destruction. Destruction, yeah. Of earth. Yeah. Earth goes bye-bye if they get to keep playing here. Yep. So that's why we all were like, shit, it's time for us to intervene. This is where when you go back to Dolores Cannon's work and she talks about this, you know, the council and how we, we were all there, we're trying to figure out, we can't, we can't break the, the barrier of free will. That's a universal law and, and become, and coming from a benevolent groups, we wouldn't dare because mm-hmm. we respect all life. Mm-hmm. and all life has free will so we could not influence from the outside they they had tried many times to sort of influence within the realm of free will 
from the outside and there wasn't much they could do. It's like they'd come down and write, they'd come down and be like, here's the tools. And then the, <laughs> the population there would be like, these tools are amazing. And then one person <laughs> would be like, that is a cool weapon. And then it was just- <laughs> and, and now then, it's a weapon. And then yeah. we were all like, we're all like, yep. come on. Yes. So we'd, we'd, you know, we'd, uh, according to Dolores Cansworth, many times there was earth resets. So we, mm. all of these major event cataclysmic events that the earth has had were a type of reset where they had to reseed the planet. They had to save chunks of humanity, take them off world, let the planet resettle, bring them back. And then they'd make them start from scratch. They wouldn't let them have all the advancements that they had. They'd have them start from scratch so that they could then reacquaint themselves with the earth, find the respect for the mm -hmm. earth, right? And rebuild from there because the earth is a being itself and yes. is integral to us ascending. It mm -hmm. ascends, we ascend type mm -hmm. thing. And if yeah. we don't work with her, she shakes us off. Like exactly. Like the that is off why the guardian family is so important to all of this. And one thing that I've been saying and I've been getting over and over again, obviously the steward is highly aware of what they're doing to tend to mother Gaia, to keep that respect and balance at play. But the, I think earlier you were asking me about my perception of which of these templates is really active right now and which of them might be kind of the last to come in. Yeah. The Sentinel is going to be the least aware and the last to activate. And if you are a Sentinel and you know you are right now, the only reason why you know is because you have an energetic field that is strong enough in 3D to be protected from psychic attack. But what the whole Sentinel fleet is constantly doing is shielding the whole collective from being subverted, from being attacked. And when the Sentinel is effective, they inherently are protecting the earth exactly because of what you're saying. They're protecting the earth against all of these codes and doubling and false singularity and th things physically being built or distributed here that are from lower forces that are meant to maximize the AI, like, because if you, the way you describe it with being a finite timeline, if you think about what do we do when we're told as humans that our time here is finite, naturally we want to say, well, I want to squeeze every ounce that I can out right. of it. I know it's <laughs> right. going to end. So the same thing is happening Absolutely. with AI just like you said, they're constantly working to maximize the stronghold and all the different components that they can bring in at a greater right. and greater speed. So the Sentinel has to be extremely strong in their ability to discern between what is a weapon and what is a tool? How is this impacting the collective? And that's why they operate in a fleet. It's really interesting to me because they should almost be members of both the guardian and the astral family because when they do work, they're in the astral. But the work that they're inherently doing when they're in 3D is very much attuned to the preservation of our earth consciousness. And the way that they often present as people are evergreen. 
That's the one word that has always come to me is they're evergreen, they're loyal, they're steady, they're trustworthy, and they are that by design because we want to have people who are guiding this planet that are very easy for us to put our sovereign and true rooted trust in and to be able to recognize those people. And the vast majority of them will have no clue that this is the work that they're doing because we do need them to be happy <laughs> and like largely unaware that, hey, like the fate of the collective is kind of on your shoulders with what right. you're doing with the rest of your, that's a lot of stress, right? Yeah, exactly. But we exactly. want them to be approachable and happy and have a positive community around them and to be like a point of support and uplifting and be grounded, like be a very grounded and rooted person in the earth to continue to show the collective by example that this is how we're supposed to be embodying our frequency. So that type in particular is so fascinating to me because no, it's not rare. There are a lot, there's an entire fleet of Sentinel that are here slash out there, but in numbers of awareness, they are going to be the smallest and they're going to be the last to come into the collective and actually say, oh yeah, I'm here and I've been working <laughs> this whole time. Stay tuned because up next, we talk about the difference between humans and star seeds. Be right back. And just, and just to let any sentinels who might be listening know, you know, even though if that feels like a heavy job, we're all the star seeds are here with you. Exactly. And energy exactly. and doing our part so that it's yes. not like all on you guys. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. That's so important. And it's, it's like a symbiotic relationship too, because I know as a clarion, as someone who my job is to directly speak truth into the collective, which can be very exposing for me on both like a physical and energetic level, I know that there are sentinel out there who are always working to protect me and to protect my part of the mission. And so kind of, it goes both ways, you know, but I think Absolutely. that they might, um, gosh, it's so funny that you say that. Cause I always get the sense that it's like, being a sentinel is a thankless job. And so the rest of the collective needs to know that like, hey, you you need to send some love and good vibrations to all of these star seeds who have incarnated in this way because they have your back 100% and they always have, so. Right, and also, um, you know, hopefully this conversation opens people up and helps them know that all types of star seeds are, are invaluable and yes, needed. We absolutely. don't all we don't all need to be mystic woo woo mm -hmm. <laughs> hanging out yeah. in the clouds. <laughs> yes. And that's like one of the, one of the things that I like to say every time I teach about the way that the system is organized, the only reason why it is organized at all is for efficiency. It's for maximizing our energy and for efficiency, but there's no hierarchy. Like, even if I talk about the elder council, or there's these analysts that have been here for a long time, 
there's no such thing as one being more important than the other because all 12 have to be working and activated in harmony in order for us to complete this mission that we're all here for. You know what I just got the image of? So I've been watching. <laughs> I finally started watching Stargate SG-1. Like all my friends are like, <laughs> you gotta watch that show. But what I see when you say that is the Stargate, you have to put in all the coordinates for it to mm -hmm. open, mm -hmm. right? So you need to have the 12, yes. the 12 archetypes present for something to activate on a Absolutely. bigger scale. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the, another question that I have then, and we have to do more of these because there's so many things <laughs> that I want to ask you. Um, and I do, I want to let everyone know how they can work with Searsha and, and get her book because it's so, you're going to want to read it after you hear this for sure. Um, so one of the questions I remember asking you before was, do you get the sense, so, so a mo most of the people that I work with, they resonate with that idea of starseed or they resonate with light worker um, for sure. I, however, every once in a while, I run into a person who's like, but what if you resonate with human? What if you just feel like you're human? So what is your take on that? Yes, that's so interesting to me because I do believe that there are human souls. They are probably, oh, this is going to be hard for me to articulate, but it's so important they are probably very attracted to the way shower. And that is a big reason why collectively we are in the energetic that we're in right now of still grieving the way that our society was structured and assembled before 2020. And now kind of coming out of that point on the other end and with the way shower being met with frustration and logistical issues, a lot of the human souls have looked towards that kind of archetype for leadership and community because the way shower, essentially the way that they're imprinted is they have an embodiment about them that is primal. It goes back through generations and generations and generations of humans, of human history. And it's collected all of the rituals and the culture and the practices and all that is sacred to humans on earth and taken that throughout time in order to keep passing that along. Because that is part of the energetic sustenance of being human, is having the primal connection, is having ritual. And so... I definitely believe that there are human souls. That's one of the reasons why we are here is to uplift and liberate them from lower oppressive um, structures, from things like patriarchy and hierarchy and oppression based on race and gender identification, all of that stuff. That's part of what we're here to move them through. But I do also think that there are people who probably believe and may continue to believe that they are quote unquote earth souls, but likely have a vessel imprinted starchetype where they are being asked to hold a high frequency and just continue. Humans got a human, like continue <laughs> going along 
with that iteration of their timeline, but being activated on kind of a subconscious level. And I definitely believe because of everything that I saw when I like physically left the earth realm, we all share cosmic DNA. So even if you are an earth soul, we share the same DNA. I mean, if you think about it, if we're all from however many planets there are in the universe and the galaxy, the earth is a planet in the universe and galaxy, right? Right. They're intergalactic too. Um, oh, absolutely there. In fact, yes. Yeah, that yeah. Was, that's what was coming in for me is that perhaps what what um, people who identify as maybe human or earthling, what they might need to open their mind to is the fact that they were, you know, that this each, each planet, right. Had a, a creator race that created it. And the humans also had a creator race that created it, mm. um, which came from other places. And mm. as, and one of the theories I've heard is that this, this planet itself is like a genetic experiment as well. Mm. So the idea that there is like a, um, that like, I don't know that the, I don't even know what someone would think of that as I'm so attuned to the the starry aspect of it, but it's kind of like coming out of the earth and, and being of that only origin. I, I don't mm. see that. I see as being very much um, having a lot of earth's energy attached mm-hmm. to it, mm-hmm. but also the, the sensation I get when I, when I feel into the humanity and why the star seeds came is that we came to, to shield and protect humanity Mm -hmm. because something very special is happening Mm -hmm. with humanity and we um all felt um obligated but it with an honor to to, to come down here and be like a a shield and Mm -hmm. a frequency Mm -hmm. and a protection for them because every time that this is a very delicate experiment as well that i get it's 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 delicate in its nature it's been messed with several times Mm -hmm. And this is the time that that's not going to happen again. It's not going to get messed with anymore. Right. That's why we came right. on mass. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so glad that you said that and you brought that up because I think that there is this huge misconception and, and misnomer of us having the tendency of saying that we're, we're blaming humanity, quote unquote, like for our problems, when right. the reality is that every single point of destruction did not come from humanity. It came from a darker force or a darker entity who is right. also much like a star seed inhabiting a human vessel. Absolutely. So it's like such an easy blanket statement to say like, oh, well, we caused this mess or, or whatever when you're talking about the human construct. But it's like, no, those two energetics are not to be confused. Absolutely. And yeah. I agree. And I think that's part of the reason why we had to incarnate into human form was so that we could understand just how easy it is Mm -hmm. to be manipulated and influenced in an Mm -hmm. environment that's being constantly manipulated and constantly right everything that's that's true has been reversed it's been flipped Yep. Right. So first you have to flip yourself to see the world the way it is and then Mm -hmm. you can start uprighting everything for yourself (laughs) um and I I think that what this journey does for the star seeds is because, you know, many star seeds come from different frequencies as well. And so they might have, you know, we, we often associate being here with having to learn something when 
in many cases, I think it's just to experience it and yeah. also to have a deeper understanding of, of why this keeps happening. It's almost like the scientists have to go into the experiment to see, okay, mm -hmm. what, what happens when you get in at this level? What's happening here? And is it even possible to hold enough of um, your higher consciousness to sort of break the program? Yeah. Because that's what we're here to do is we're breaking programming completely mm -hmm. so that we can be free of it so that 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 the um, evolution that's being suppressed and heavily suppressed intelligence is being suppressed understanding of the universe is being suppressed, all of that is is through this um, right kind of programming and by coming in and seeing like can I break the program and people are and they're doing mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. right they can break that. And by doing that, they can live by example. And those, you know, like the vessels do, they can live by example mm -hmm. and create a frequency that's easy for others to see. Well, that looks like it's feels better over right. there. Yeah. <laughs> like, having a better day than I am. I'm going to go doing. do that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, um, so for anyone listening who feels like they resonate uh, more with human, I'd still encourage you to take the quiz, see what comes up. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, if the, the words don't resonate with you, that's okay. Then mm -hmm. it's just, you know, that this isn't the path um, that's going to resonate with you and you will find something to work with, but you might actually be surprised. You might be, you know, wonderfully surprised to see that there's a little bit more here. It's just maybe your idea of what a star seed is or what they look like or what they do was again, kind of like from the beginning, we were talking about a limited per perception. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that, that tends to kind of get in the way sometimes. And that's part of what we're working through right now is eliminating that linguistic barrier that kind of segments out a group of beings who really should be accessing this information, but they've been taught up until this point that it's woo woo or it's weird or right. You know, if you start like reading about this stuff that you're joining a cult or anything right. like that, you know, all of those semantics that were used before, again, to, you know, diminish our, our efforts and kind of take, take the power away from our momentum. Right. Um, that's definitely what, what we're working through right now. And I am seeing a lot of people that are coming in and are taking the quiz that they've only heard the word starseed like twice, <laughs> but they're That's still awesome. open. They're open to it, which is really cool. That is so cool. Well, I hope that, um, I, I really hope that people after listening to this, get excited and go check it out. It's such a great quiz. So I want to give people an opportunity to, um, reach out or work with you. What's the best way that they can reach you? Yes. So I am on, um, I'm on Instagram at the starseed coach. That's probably like, I would say the easiest point of entry because I have quite a few portals um, online. But if you want to take the quiz, you can go directly to Starketypes. So S-T-A-R-C-H-E-T-Y-P-E-S, starketypes.com. And um, that's just a simple landing page that has a button to take the quiz. I also have a link in my Instagram bio. I have a link in my Instagram bio. If you already know that you want to purchase the book, you can click directly on that. Um, and then my personal website is thestarseedcoach.com. So there's a few different ways that you can find me. Um, 
but yeah, there's, there's all sorts of access. I also have a quiz on my Instagram bio for if you're kind of unsure of if you might have some star seed DNA, or if you truly are an earth soul and you just have no clue where to start, that's like the beginner touch point there. Um, but the actual starchetype quiz is there too. So awesome. And I'll make sure to put links to all of these in the show notes. So if you're listening to it on my podcast, you can click on the show notes um, and get that. And of course, too, all the people who are my members who have subscribed to my email, I'll make sure that you get links directly in your email as well. All right. Wow. Sirsha, you have to come back. <laughs> there's so much more. There's so much more to talk yes, about. Yes, there's so much. But I really appreciate this time. Like I, I love, you know, what's so funny is um, I was in your Etsy shop and I saw that one of your newest um, necklaces, you were calling the way shower. Yes. And that literally gave me chills. I was like, this is the type that needs this reminder right now. And like you as an auger doing the mentor work that you do for other star seeds, it's like you intuitively knew that and wanted to put that out there as like a symbolic activation. It just, yeah, it totally came through because I made a pen, a special pendant for that mullet. It yes. has a little you can look through it and it's based on a witch's stone. So a, wish, a witch's stone, right, has, or a hagstone is, they're also known as that, they, they're natural rocks with a hole in them and they're considered to be very lucky talismans. They're, they're good luck, they're protection, but they also, it's also believed that if you look through one, you can see other dimensions and mm -hmm. specifically, I think it's the fairy realm you can see. Mm -hmm. And I used to talk to fairies as kids all the time. I mm -hmm. loved, loved it, talk to the fairies all the time. Uh, time, but uh, it was just when I held that up and looked through it, I'm like, this is showing you the way to your destiny. Mm. Like that's what it symbolizes to me. So it, the mala being the way shower. And then of course, now that you tied it back, I didn't even think about that, but that's amazing because they're the ones that need the support. Yes. And interestingly enough, I put um, I've been feeling shungite lately where we all need mm. some shungite and that's mm. what the mala has. And also it has rose quartz as well, which is the keeping the heart open and the love yep. and compassion yep. with the protection. You need that protection. So yes. I love that. That gave me chills when I saw that. I was like, Therese is doing longer <laughs> blueprint work right now. Like this is awesome. Thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, um, I absolutely felt like I came home when I think actually for me, it was Teal Swan that opened my mind to it. Mm -hmm. I was listening to her talk and she had mentioned that. And I was like, that was like one of those moments where I was like, click, okay, something just made sense now. Um, because she was talking about, you know, being from Arcturus or having that Arcturus energy. And she's totally, if you look at her, you and listen to her, you get it. She's Arcturian. Mm -hmm. um, but that really opened me up and I, I didn't know what I was connected to at that point. I only knew that this was like a thread I needed to follow because yeah. start, stuff started finally making sense. One of the things for me that was a definite pointer to me not being from earth was as a child, I'd be in my, my own bedroom and I'd be feeling nervous and crying and saying, I want to go home mm. and being so weirded out 
myself by that statement because I was at home. I was in my own room mm-hmm. um, and being like four or five and saying, I want to go home to my mom, who's also like, well, you are home, you know, right. and just knowing that there was no resolution to that. And that was such a sinking feeling in me. Mm-hmm. Like this is, there's no way out. <laughs> and uh, that's, yeah, that seems pretty dark. And, and I mean, it was one of those kind of scarier feelings, but right. finding out later in life that actually many star seeds have that sort of um, same impulse at some point mm-hmm. that they also yes. have this weird feeling that they're, they don't just, they, it's either a feeling like I don't belong or I want to go home. And then when you try to answer that question for yourself, what does it mean? You kind of get a a block. There's a block mm-hmm. to it. I've never mm-hmm. like fully seen it, although I have more information now. Um, and maybe that I think is designed actually for star seeds as a form of protection, because yes. if you could figure out how to get home, you probably would you probably go. go. <laughs> You're like, well, I'm out of here. This You're like, fun. wow, this everybody sucks. <laughs> 2020, I'm out, right? Like t- Yep. Ships are coming. Take us. See you never. <laughs> That's right. So it, you know, finding the star seed path and then finding the community that was a huge help. And then having materials for the community, like you're providing. I mean, it just keeps getting better for star seeds. Yes. Yeah. So hang on, guys, because yes. it's only going to get better. <laughs> we promise. <laughs> Absolutely promise. Yes. So Thank you again, Searsha. I'm serious. We're, we're going to come back. And if anybody listening to this and you're like, oh my God, mind blown, and you want to leave comments for Searsha, just go ahead and you can leave it on the Anchor app and I can answer them there. Or you can email them to me at hello at blithestarlight.com and I will send them to her and I will figure out what we'll be talking about next. <laughs> yes. Because this has been a great conversation. This was so, so thank you. fun. Yes, Yay. I love this. I feel like every time we chat, I'm... I'm talking to someone that I know I've yeah. had a soul experience with from somewhere else. Yes. White figured out where yet. No, but. but there you're like the second person this year that I've made contact with. And I'm like, Oh, I know you. Yeah. Like, I don't know how I know you, but yes. I know you. Like we've, we've done this before. Absolutely. You've probably, I don't know, maybe you interviewed me on another planet before. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we were in the same like um, organizational squad, like at the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm down for that. That'd be cool. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, th- Yay. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for everyone listening. I want to take a moment to say thank you to all my patrons on Patreon. This episode is dedicated to one of my Starseed patrons, Jennifer Sass. Thank you so much for your support. If you'd like to join us on Patreon, you can visit us at patreon.com forward slash Blythe Starlight. Thank you for joining me. You can now find Blythe Starlight on Patreon where you can join me on the journey of creating more tools for helping people go from awakened in their intuition to activated. Be sure to visit me at blithestarlight.com and subscribe. That way you'll never miss an episode of the Modern Mystic Soul podcast, which can also be found on Spotify, iTunes, and all your favorite podcast platforms. 
You can also find me on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest as Blythe Starlight. And don't forget to grab your copy of my book, Confidence is Magic, on Amazon today. Until next time, stay magical.